This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Good morning, Dan and Amy. I was uh, mentioning earlier in the show after we had Brett Bear on, it'd be fun for Brett to come to town to participate in April in this upper deck event at Soldier Field where you can hit golf balls off the upper deck onto nine greens that uh, they set up on Soldier Field. Uh, this would be fun for Scott Shalady to come back to the city. Is uh, he a big golfer? No, this oh, would this be. Oh, this would be. Okay. <laughs> Price Theory Summer Camp at University of Chicago. Oh, can you sign me up for that too? Yeah. The Becker Friedman Institute. As, for, as in Gary Becker and Milton Friedman. Uh, yeah, Price Theory Summer Camp to introduce uh, students from outside the University of Chicago to Price Theory, which emphasizes the application of basic economic tools to problems. That would be good for you, too, especially since you've just completed that online trading academy course. Exactly. Nice maybe transition. Get, maybe you can sponsor Peyton and Eli. Sure, I can. That. Yeah. numbers. I yeah. love that stuff. Price Theory Summer Camp for the kids. That hey sounds guys, like fun. guys, I got a new camp for us. Uh, all right, it's time to be joined by Scott the Cow Guy, Scott Shalady, Fox Business Contributor. That's a muted <laughs> cow. That's better. That's you, uh, not really great. And Amy, like a top. Amy, I cow. am a, I am a, I am a golfer, and I am big, but I don't know if that means I'm a big golfer. Hey, oh, zing. Um, <laughs> you would not be able to sit uh, next to Amy on a plane. She's very, oh, uh, she's very man. persnickety. No, I'm he's saying, not, you know, he's not that big. Oh my I'm just saying, I'm just saying. We were <laughs> just having this discussion. All right, Scott. Uh, here's the deal: we got 304,000 jobs created in January. We got strong corporate reports from the likes of your Facebooks and your Amazons and your Boeing's. We got a market rally in January. Is all of that enough to turn you from a grizzled cynic to a silly-hearted optimism about 2019? It's a really hard optimist I, about 20 No, I, you know, I think we still have a chance, an outside chance for some decent growth. I mean, high twos, maybe 3% and maybe 3% in 2019. So, you know, things are okay. That was a good report. The, the, what they won't talk to you about is after Jay Powell, the chairman of the Fed's speech this week, this number and <laughs> this report might have just turned the Federal Reserve into a bunch of Keystone cops uh, because they went way to the dovish side of things this week. And trying to tell the market we're going to be transparent, we're going to be day-to-day, we're going to be data-dependent. Uh, and that was to try to settle the market down from what the last six weeks of 2018 brought us, which was absolute mayhem, mayhem and chaos. And now he's got to deal with this strong report, which would you know, su- you know, suggest otherwise. So they're going to be turning on their heads right now, and that's going to be fun to watch for the next six months because that really won't be talked about a lot. This is a strong report, and it's really going to – put the Fed and another problem because they're good at getting themselves in those corners, but it's going to be interesting to see how they could try, you know, try and talk their way out of it. And now the unemployment rate ticked a little higher to 4%, but do you think that's the effect of the government shutdown? Well, that's another good point, Amy. Uh, yeah, I think that's people that really still had a job that answered, no, I don't have a job. I, th- I think that's really what that was. But number two is that, you know, if you're the average investor, and I think, Dan, you'd probably agree with this, you'd be hoping for another government shutdown because these numbers prove to you that those 800,000 people are really not essential, right? Well, exactly. And all of this doom and gloom, including from the likes of Jamie Dimon playing politician again, which he should really try to resist the temptation to do, talking about uh, 
the the temporary furlough of 800,000 non-essentials is going to result in zero GDP growth for the first quarter. I mean, give me a break. Does he understand where growth does he understand where growth comes from? Right. Well, that's absolute garbage to suggest that our economy, the size of our economy can be held hostage by 800,000 non-essential employees. Let me ask you a question. I wonder if he has 800,000 non-essential employees in his firm. No, they're all fired. <laughs> yeah. Well, some of right? those people that were uh, what government, what, FBI well, yeah, but I mean, Think about it. The government ran just fine, basically, right? And it wasn't for, if it wasn't for the fact the public worry about some uh, air traffic controllers. I mean, if, again, look at this number. This was over that period. There's going to be a lot of investors out there saying, hey, let's have another government shutdown in February. Because if this is what it brings, let's keep going. Yeah, it's interesting. James Freeman writing the Wall Street Journal yesterday before the jobs number uh, was posted today uh, noted uh, many political reporters spent the last six weeks cataloging alleged harms to the economy from the partial government shutdown. (laughs) Meanwhile, outside of government, America's small companies were ramping up their historic effort to employ new workers. Job creation, according to the NFIB report, uh, was solid in January with a net addition of 0.33 workers per firm. Was up from 0.25 in December. That's from NFIB chief economist William Dunkelberg. So you know, maybe the focus should be seeing if those non-essentials in the federal government can actually uh, make their bones in the private sector where small businesses are growing. Right, and the, and the small small businesses. That, I mean, James, he's a good guy. He's a, he's a friend of mine, and he's a he's a smart cookie, and he's exactly right there. Those that but those numbers were strong in December and they got even stronger in January for the small businesses. That's a good thing. And number two is you're, you're, you're right. You know what? Why can't we talk about all the benefits that these non-essential 800,000 government employees get that the, you know, the at will employee in the public sector does not get right. There's a lot of people that I work with on a day to day basis can lose their job tomorrow and they have no recourse. Mm-hmm. So I just, I was getting angry and angry as this thing went on about how these people can hold this economy hostage. And guess what? They can't. These numbers prove it. So these job numbers, it's going to be good for uh, stock market today, do you think? We're going to uh, close you know, stock high? A, yeah, stock market's a vote today about what you think is going to happen in six months' time. So it's hard to really say an individual event today is going to make that big of a difference. These are just strong. And what this does is say that that little hiccup that we had towards the end of last year was wrong, and it was a lot of people's imaginations being their own worst enemy. But number two is that what's going to really help the stock market is if we can get some more good news out of China with the, you know, with the tariffs. That's kind of really what's been hanging over people's heads. We kind of got the fed out of the way this week by saying that they're going to be ultra dovish and listen to the market. But now they're going to be in a box now. If we continue to get strong numbers, they're going to have to turn on their heads, and they could actually come out of this really looking like the bad ones. As somebody who has uh, been stationed in London for, what, like 15 of the last 30 years, uh, are, are we – paying too much attention to how brexit goes is it is it that important to america's growth uh, and, uh, and the robustness of our economy uh, or is how that s- still has yet to play out really important to america no I, I think it's i think what solves the drama i don't think it's going to be that important but what what the drama the interesting part of the drama is how similar that situation is to the U.S.'s situation with Nancy Pelosi and Donald Trump, right? Because the people voted for Donald Trump, and arguably they voted for his campaign promises. So a stress could say the people voted in the U.S. for border security or border wall because that was one of his pledges. In the U.K., the people voted to leave Europe. So to make it really easy for all the listeners, it's as if we elected Donald Trump as president, but we had to have that election ratified by Congress, <laughs> which would never happen, right, because those people are crazy. 
Well, the British people elected to leave the European Union, and it has to be basically ratified by Parliament. And that's the problem that they're having over there. So now, Theresa May, which is the Donald Trump of, of Great Britain, is having a difficult time dealing, trying to make a deal with Europe to leave, and also appease the voters. Like Donald Trump's trying to deal with Nancy Pelosi and trying to appeal to the voters. So those things are really in parallel. And it's more interesting in the drama, but as far as an economic impact, I don't think it's a big deal. Well, how much would the U.K. save if they left the European Union? Uh, well, that's how much would it cost the U.K. to stay in the European Union for the next 50 years? Mm-hmm. That's the question you want to think. I mean, it's going to cost them, you know, $50 billion, $60 billion probably to leave now. Mm-hmm. But what's the cost of funding a European army? Because there's rattlings about that starting up. What's the cost of bailing out another small European country or a banking system somewhere in Europe? What are those costs going to be over the next 50 years? I think they're going to be gigantic. So whatever you have to do today to pull that bandit up quickly, I think they'll save a ton of money going forward because the European Union is just it's, – it's bureaucracy run amok. And, and what is your sense of uh, the uh, importance of a deal on trade with China here as negotiations continue in earnest? I think that's probably the most important thing for the market right now. I don't think there's anything else out there that you're going to be. I mean, the Fed was something we were all worried about, but they kind of they get, they kind of put themselves in a box yesterday, but the market liked it, right? Or whenever Powell spoke. So the next biggest thing is going to be tariffs, and the, I guess the U.S. government came out this morning and said that their March deadline is a hard deadline; it will not be extended. So that could be something that upsets the apple cart. But look at the market. Look at these numbers. It's hard to say how much that will upset the upper car. But I do know that if, they, if we do get a trade deal with China and everybody's happy with something, they've all given up something, but they all can go back and, and say they've won something, it will be good for the markets because that's what this market really is kind of slowing down about. It's 100% the tariff. For me. Uh, he is Scott Shalady. Scott, the cow guy, Fox Business contributor. Scott, thanks as always for joining us. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good weekend. And, yeah, and he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. The more you listen, the more you listen, the more you'll know. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Morning Answer on AM 560. The Answer.